0: Welcome home. You're listening to the 180 Church Podcast with Dr. Sammy and friends. Dr. Sammy D. Kim is a Harvard-trained ethicist and co-founder of 180 Church NYC. He is a Yale Hastings Scholar at the Yale Interdisciplinary Center for Bioethics and the Hastings Center, where he explores the inequities surrounding health, immigration, and social policies, along with professional burnout. He is also a regular contributor to Christianity Today. For more information, please visit his website at samdkim.com.
1: You could all be seated, everyone joining us online and in person. Hello, for those of you on vacation from Japan to Korea to Miami, we don't resent you a bit. No, we do, we do. But the Lord bless you wherever you might be. I want to give you a moment to center yourself as we practice this rule of life every week and we encourage our community to do it at home as well, to spend a moment of silence and solitude right before the word of, to hear the word of God, so that our prayers could not be shaped by the bankruptcy, the bankrupt part of our hearts, but by the word of God. So we can hear his word and shape us. So will you bow your heads with me for a moment to center our heart to hear the word? Let's exhale, let it out, all the toxicities, automatic, ruminating thoughts that are weighing on you and in your heart and mind this season, as scripture tells us to supplicate our anxieties upon the Lord, and He'll give us transcending peace, and inhale. the transcending living presence of God and the power of the resurrection to fill us with peace wherever we might be, when, whatever we might be facing. All God's people pray, amen. So let's put this picture up here. So today I will not go into sports, you're welcome. I don't want to go into the drama of the NBA today, but we're going to talk about the financial market for a bit. Very interesting. I'm going to follow the technicality of the market. Stay with me. I have a very pertinent theme that will relate to all of us. So, uh, there was a study conducted by Bank of America about the habits, the financial habits of millennials, rich millennials by and Bloomberg health wealth uh, reported it uh, it says that rich Millennials have lost confidence in the stock market preferring to invest in crypto now this is 2022 the, before the FTX scandal before the crypto winter uh, real estate and private equity before even stocks go to IPO initial public offerings in uh, the whole scheme of financial markets, free markets in a democracy, is that the stock market always outperforms cash. And For those of you who are Chinese who put your cash under your pillow, I know people do that in our church, actually, and I met some, always outperforms inflation and cash. Tell someone next to you in the long term. Tell them again, in the long term, hath gratuitously. It's not linear, sinuous. So the market's supposed to go up and down. It never goes up and up and up. The law of inertia and the law of gravity always works against it. Why is that? Well, because you can regulate. Markets now, what are we fighting today in today's markets? We're fighting inflation Why because during COVID, we gave away people gave away tons of money into the system so much money In fact a lot of people just kept it in their bank account you were supposed to spend it and stimulate the economy. What happened is the economy started heating up too much So what did the Fed do they raised interest rates to slow down? Right, so people stop borrowing. Stop, People stop doing these things to take money out from the market. You can regulate financial markets, and it's one of the greatest marvels of the world that there's economic security and wisdom to create a thriving, flourishing society. So you can do that, but you can't regulate the human heart. Every single financial meltdown since the Great Depression, even to the infamous IMF scandal in Korea. Every single time, every meltdown has to do, tell someone next to you, stupidity, pride, and greed. Basically, every single financial crisis is rooted in a human farce. You can regulate markets, And you could do it rationally, but it's very difficult to regulate when people buy and sell. For example, I bought Apple in 2006 for $26 a share. Thank you. That's before all the splits, 30 splits or so, but I sold and bought back, sold and bought back. Why? Because I'm an idiot. Stupidity, pride and greed. Now, if I kept those shares, we did the math, it would be somewhere in the high seven figures, like $9 million just on what I bought. And get this part, this is the kicker. The dividends would simply be a physician salary I would be a doctor. I am a doctor, but you know what I'm saying? Not that kind of doctor. I would just get that by dividends, like Warren Buffett. $275,000 in cash, just dividends. I wish I had a time machine, but I don't. So fiscal habits and discipline is necessary to rein in The propensity of the human heart for greed, stupidity, and pride. For example, Bill Huang, who I know, and I feel really, really feel for, he's a Christian philanthropist who funds basically most of all Christian organizations, Luzon, Fuller, many others, built a fortune quietly in a decade, investing in Chinese and tech stocks, Fang and Baidu and others, and lost... $20 20 billion, including the reason Credit Suisse had to sell itself to its rival bank, U.S.B. just recently for 3.3 billion. Credit Suisse lost 5.5 billion dollars, more than it was worth in this meltdown. He lost 20 billion in one day because he leveraged a thousand times the money he had. Tell someone next to you, don't do that. Tell someone, don't do that. You're like, well, would I make 20 billion though? No, you won't. So how could someone so brilliant, I mean genius, lose it all in two days? Actually, Wall Street says that's the most money lost in the history of humanity. So in one hand, you're the smartest, one of the smartest ever, and you're the dumbest ever. This ambivalence is in the story we find ourselves in, no? So if you need discipline to rein in greed, pride, and stupidity, it's the same thing for why we need the discipline of the heart in the spiritual life. That's the, th- that's the part that's hard to regulate in the spiritual life. Why your heart feels the way it does. Like Drake says in his song, in, when you're in your feelings, you don't know why you do what you do. You're just in your feelings. I just have feelings for ice cream at midnight. Or at midnight, I can't rein in those feelings and That's why discipline is paramount if you're not gonna only flourish in your spiritual life, but if you're gonna survive your spiritual life. The, one of the series we're on with Paul, the, with spiritual disciplines, that's why we want people to buy the book, Spiritual Directions by Henry Nouwen, and, and then Stu, *Victory Over Darkness about identities. Those two things collide all the time with the discipline of the heart and spiritual disciplines. So uh, the whole cell then the Bible says that the heart is the most deceitful thing above all else, Jeremiah tells us. Why do you feel pride sometimes? Why do you feel greed sometimes? And why are, do you act stupidly sometimes? That's because the human heart gets drunk either on highs and lows. And The irrationality, and when we catastrophize in the face of uncertainty, we do things in haste. And that's why the discipline of the heart exists. We need to have a habit, a spiritual habit of introspection, of being able to examine what's going on here. Forget about flourishing spiritually, it's just surviving spiritually. So today, that's what we want to talk about. Why? The discipline of the heart is so paramount not only the fight of faith but spiritual survival so let's look at the text here excuse me as i sip on this coffee it'll look strange when i do this take me seriously though sorry guys i drank all the water right before but here is this text where Paul and not Paul Peter in this chapter is praised by Jesus. Jesus praises Peter for the revelation of Peter being heaven reveals to him that Jesus is the Son of God. So he's praised. At the moment of exaltation there's this great fall. Peter thinks that he knows better than Jesus. Anyone here ever think they know better than God sometimes? You won't like verbalize that, (laughs) but you think it, right? No, no, I know. I'm, I'm smart, I know. See, you see, that's the stupid part. Peter here is, feels are lofty because he is the first person to ask the Christ and he's praised and Jesus, you know, affirms him. And so that affirmation gets to his head. And then Jesus says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priest and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. Verse 22, really funny part of Scripture. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Did Peter just rebuke God? Have you ever rebuked God? Yes. Yes, you have. Not our best moments, but we all do this. What's now superficially when you read this text in a in a quick glance, you might think that Peter had an aversion to suffering in which of course he did because his view of salvation was more of a political salvation. Israel becoming great again, Solomon's temple, David's glory, a political framework. But his rebuke of God had nothing to do with the aversion of suffering when you read the text, superficially but deeply. And you read it over and over again, it was pride. His heart wandered from the plans of God and the heart of God and even the spirit of God because he thought he knew better because he was doing well. And he was praised for doing well. Sometimes in the mountaintop, a lot of people think that people abandon God like Job. When, when Job's wife told Job, curse God and die, it is suffering. A lot of people think people lose faith in suffering and say, I'm not gonna do this anymore. And that happens. But a lot of times, a lot of people are not aware of the subtlety and the insidious part of pride that enters when you're actually on a platform and people are praising you and you're actually working for the Lord. And everything looks great. And you're doing good. And you're not seeking glory, but there's glory in it. Because you're working for the kingdom, you're expanding the kingdom of God. So a lot of times, The discipline of the heart reigns in high moments and low moments because both moments happen. In the humdrum, we're always, you know, we're always willing to listen. We're always willing to listen to the spirit of God and the heart of God, even others. But when we're high and low, it's very difficult to listen. There's an immunity and aversion to the voice of God because you think you know. In suffering, you think you know that it's not worth following God because look, 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 what do I get? I got a parking ticket for coming to church three times. God, what's going on? You should, I should be rewarded for coming to church. I tithe and now I got a parking ticket. This is not fair, but when you're lofty and when you're high, there's pride that enters the heart. And you think you know things. Recently, there was a documentary with the secrets of Hillsong with Carl Lentz. And, and my goal today is not to shame Carl and Hillsongs. I just did a, an interview where they had Hillsongs come on right before me and talk about their own struggles with what's going on in Hillsongs. And Hillsongs, the church, there are, you know, um, they make great music for the church, and it's a lot more complex than simple, but in the documentary it goes and Vanity Fair covered it with major news, the most insidious part about the fall of Carl Lenz and Hillsong's New York City is not the superficial affair with the fashion designer that he met during COVID. That's not really the scandal. The scandal is, He had multiple affairs, but the major one is with his nanny, who was a Christian and a member at Hillsong's. So he was doing two things or three things at once in complete duplicity. That part wasn't covered in the scandal. But you see, a lot of people don't realize this. I've studied leadership for many years, so I understand. Hillsong's already had nine pastors under discipline strictly from the worship side that fell from immorality so when I heard about this it was nothing new we many of us in the global church knew Hillsong had a problem because when you have gifted people that are on the platform this is the interview that they conducted mentor of mine conducted they asked why did you do it almost I thought I was the exception I was doing so much for the Lord that I thought I deserved it. I was suffering for Christ, so therefore I deserved some goodies. So, at the height of, and you and, and here's the confusing part about the Hillsong saga and why a lot of us shouldn't fall for the eye candy when people are on Vanity Fair and GQ and Instagram handles with KD and Justin Bieber like that must be the Lord that's the only way God can do it no I, I would I would suggest to you to think twice about if this is what God did or if this is The plan that the evil one planted to get the most pain in the church and out of it, to lift someone up and tear them down completely. Just because someone's on the platform and just because someone has this and that, and it looks good, does not mean that the Holy Spirit is leading that, always. Or there can be a duplicity, a dual work, the enemy and God's work at the same time, which makes it so confusing. So what's the point? Why is the discipline of the heart this habit of intros, That prayer in the Psalms. Father, David prays, God, Lord, if there are any wicked way in me, lead me into life. Lead me. Correct me. Do not take Thy Holy Spirit away from me. Do not cast me from your presence. There is this part of the heart that acknowledges that it's prone to wonder. And without this discipline, here's the part, here's the kicker about Carl and every single leader or regular person that have done destructive things in the name of God. They weren't aware of what they were doing. At the time they were doing it, you're like, no way, that's impossible. No, they literally become blind to it. Because the heart's the most deceitful. You rationalize, you lie to yourself and to others, and eventually you believe in the lie. So, why is the discipline of the heart paramount to not only to spiritual flourishing, but to spiritual health? First lesson we learn is what? Read it with me, because the heart is prone to wander. The Bible says, work out your salvation with trembling and fear. There's a time when a culture of therapeutics and enablement where we say everything is okay. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. God's okay with that. No, he isn't. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. that's fine that's fine that's fine that's fine yeah yeah, yeah, it's okay it's okay it's okay Uh, it's not so bad it's not so bad (laughs) the truth is in the church you can have a systemic structure of accountability and still end up in destruction and peril because without the discipline of the heart you're not even honest in accountability yeah yeah you're like yeah yeah that's fine God understands, my people understand. This is something that only a person, individual, through their own autonomy and volition, has to pick up and say, God, my heart is prone to wander. Check if there's any wicked way in me. Check if there's any sin in me. And it's not a paranoia of sin, but it's what proverbs 1:1 1, 1 talks about it's the fear of the lord it's the beginning of wisdom on in the church it has to come back tim killer who recently passed away one of the giants of evangelical faith he talked about the way you keep anchored and finish well in your life is to be afraid to lose the presence of God. He goes, that's what keeps me that discipline, that fear that I'll lose the presence of God. Because the reward is God himself, not the stage, not the platform, not even the blessing. Man who finished well. So I have a question for you. Do you have a mechanism, do you have a habit, not just accountability or even whatever, but your own conscience? Where there's a mechanism to check pride, stupidity, and greed. Because that, that's impossible to regulate. You can't eliminate it. You could only limit it. And discipline of the heart is absolutely paramount. If you don't, then, you, then the you're going to be mixed up in a lot of things that are going to hurt a lot of people and hurt yourself. And when you do it, the most insidious part about it is you won't know when you do it. Because that's how the enemy does it. And Jesus attributes this spirit from the very Spirit of God leading Peter to this revelation of Jesus Christ being the Messiah to Satan turning his heart against Christ, the Antichrist spirit. You look at this text, that's next, let's move down. If you look at it carefully, it goes from the Spirit of God in a second to the Antichrist spirit. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. In a sense, Jesus was rebuking Peter and the evil one. Because the evil one now was leading Peter. A lot of people think that that line is very far and few between, but if you really think about it, the spiritual battle is actually a lot closer. That line is a lot closer than you think. Jesus turned to, and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Did Jesus call Satan? Peter, Satan? And if you look with 2020 vision, in the future, Satan does get hold of Peter's heart. This propensity towards self-preservation and fear and knowing better is how it leads to him to the greatest collapse in Christianity as well, where he denies Jesus three times. So that was already in him, and Jesus was exposing it and calling it out. You are a stumbling block to me. Why? Because the aversion to the cross, a lot of people think that the cross is only for Jesus the greatest path of resistance. The enemy doesn't want Jesus to go to the cross. The enemy offered Jesus in the beginning of Lent, as we celebrate Lent, I will give you the kingdoms of the world without the cross. That's a temptation that Jesus had to face. There are many times in the New Testament where people saw healings and miracles of Jesus and tried to pick him up and make him king. And Jesus had to slip away. Jesus had to resist that temptation. To move away from suffering. And look what Jesus says. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but the merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, including Peter, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. sobering rebuke of why the discipline of the heart is paramount to the spiritual life in the inner life. No one can make that choice because the human heart can't be regulated or be eliminated, right? We can't. It's deceitful. It makes rational, rationalizes lies. The most deceitful above all. You need a mechanism. I understand this aversion to suffering and propensity to greed and glory. But this picture up here. My wife and I, 23, 20 years ago, when I was skinny, but we had a vision of what ministry would be. And we had breakthroughs and life change and powerful moments. I remember at 21, I stood in front of 100,000 people with Mad Remen and others, famous. Chris. I thought, oh, so Lord, this is the trajectory of my life, right? The platform. I didn't honestly tell you I don't want the glory, but there was glory. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I'm with Jason Upton here, I'm with Matt Redman here. There's all, the, you know, there's, there's Chris Tomlin over there, there's famous Christian leaders over here. And there was affirmation. And I thought that would be the future. Then 20 years later, as I reflect back, what is mostly ministry? There are highlights of those things in the platform. You write a book, you do these things, you change people's lives. But mostly, what ministry? is, I've learned, honestly to tell you, is dying to self, is service, is being a servant, is washing feet, cleaning up, apologizing. I've done more apologizing in 20 years than preaching. Talking to people, being a shepherd, You know what's the most difficult part about being a shepherd is? That's why you should pray for your pastor. Sheep are really stupid. This is not, I'm not even exaggerating. Sheep are the dumbest animals there are. They always think grass is greener than the other side. Guys, all the grass is the same, it's green. But but no, sheep think they know better. What the shepherd has to get them? they have to tie their legs. I remember I had to tie some people's legs, carry them on my shoulder. And sometimes being a shepherd, a good shepherd, is really about picking up people in their stupidity, greed, and pride, and addressing those areas. And it's not glamorous at all. It's difficult and painful. But that's who Jesus is. Jesus did the non-glamorous things. Jesus failed in the American church. He had a mega church and he lost everybody, including all his disciples. His church closed and then he died. And the people who changed the world, if you really think about it, are people he, he washed their feet, he served them, he lived with them. The vision I had and what God taught me of being a shepherd were completely two different things. But they were powerful and beautiful at the same time. A lot of times, the problem in the Christian life, one word, expectation. Tell someone next to you, expectation. You have an expectation. Why why did Peter not like this plan? Because he thought, hey, glory, right? I mean, John and James asked Jesus, can I I sit in, in the right and left of your throne? Right? John almost said one time when Samaria didn't listen to him, can I throw, can I call fire from heaven, Jesus, and destroy these people? Kill the people I don't like. Or don't like me a lot sometimes a lot of people think that's what ministry is yeah just kill the people who don't like me Jesus like what what is going on this is not who I am and all of them died in the end right serving being a shepherd like the great Shepherd my expectations were abstractions or assumptions about what it meant to serve God and a lot of times the greatest pain in the Christian life is we have expectations from God that God will act this way or that way because that makes sense to me I expect God to do this I expect God to reward me and he doesn't because that's not his plan wisdom of serving out his purposes is not in line with my plans or the way I think And that's the hard part of the Christian life. When things don't go my way or the things I plan, especially if you're a control freak, when things don't go, how do you plan? You get really frustrated. And then you start questioning, do I want to follow God? And that's right there. That part right there, that's the gap. That's why the heart is so prone to wander. You don't get your way, you're upset at God, you're upset at everybody. So that's why disciplines are paramount so why do we need the discipline of the heart to reign in this part well secondly because we're often what unaware of the many faulty assumptions we harbor internally the discipline of the heart exposes those faulty assumptions and expectations we have of others and God. And when, we, when those expectations are really abstractions. And when God doesn't meet our expectations and our plans and our goals, a collision takes place in the heart. And then in the end, we have to ask the question, even after decades of following Christ, is am I following Christ because I'm a utilitarian? I want to use God for my own purposes and my goals? Or am I a Trinitarian? I love God for who He is. Not the blessing, but the Lord. The discipline of heart exposes this as as it did for Peter. So that's a question I want to ask. What are the places in your heart, expectations and assumptions that are leading your spiritual life right now? What are some things that have to be laid down? And as we close today, I just want to say this is a journey. Because for Peter, this was just a beginning. He would fall even greater well while all of this faulty assumptions and expectations would lead to a collapse of faith and god restoring him god saving him like god will save us when we implement this spiritual habit of developing the discipline of the heart as we're we'll continuing on that series, the discipline of the heart, discipline of the book, why we need the scriptures, why we need the discipline of the church, why we need community, even though it's imperfect. Because we're all imperfect and we need each other. And then when I call you out and like, hey, you're a jerk. And you're like, well, don't call me a jerk. But you are a jerk. And you're like, I don't like that. Well, I don't like you. That's the church right there, 21st century. And, that, and then we go, yeah, but he called me a jerk. I'm leaving church. And then you meet again, with you. come on, that's... And, then, and so this whole pettiness and this whole mess is the disciplines. And so we need to bring us back. And you go, look, it's normative in Scripture. It happens all the time. So we have to forgive each other, love each other, pray for each other. That's why we're in this series. Let's stand and pray together. Will you lift your hands with me today to the Lord in surrender? Will you listen to wisdom on the street, as Proverbs says, and pray the fear of the Lord in your life. Accountable to anyone else first, but being accountable in your heart to God. So God, will you see any wicked way in me and develop that discipline of introspection? And when we have questions and tensions and ambiguities that are unanswered and our expectations are unmet, that the Spirit of God would lead us back to Him and His purposes. Faithful one, let's make this our prayer as we surrender. Okay.
0: Faithful one. Faithful one, so. One, you are my rock of peace. You are my rock of peace, Lord of all. I depend on you. to you again and again again and again i call out to you
1: i call out to you
0: again again again
1: again and again
0: you are my rock in times of trouble
1: you are my rock
0: Up when I fall down, and you lift me up. When I fall down. all through the storm, all through the storm, your love is
1: your. Father, we come before you this afternoon. We pray, God, that as we develop heart, the discipline of introspection, the discipline of proving one's own heart, asking the Spirit to correct, to rebuke, to implement the wisdom literature, to allow wisdom to shout when necessary. When we're moving in the direction of peril. A lot of people in our generation who is so coddled in in therapeutics, I pray that our community, along with the new generation, will pray we would embrace both the rod and the staff of God. We would embrace the love and the fear of God. The confluence of those two things will help us survive the lows and the highs and the temptations that come in our lives. But when we allow the protective grace and the gentle grace to lead our spiritual journey, in the end, we will fulfill our destiny and be a blessing to others and not bring peril or destruction or shame. And of course there's grace that when we fall like Peter we see. But wouldn't it be better to be a blessing than a curse? Wouldn't it be better to allow the fear of God To lead us to the path of green pastures even when we're in our feelings even when we think we know better to allow the spirit to remind us that the heart is prone to wander for God to lead us back to him that is our prayer today will you bury heads today for the benediction May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. All God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you in the park next week.
0: Hello everyone, happy Sunday. My name is Grace and I will be, I'm a member at (laughs) 180 Church and I will be sharing some community news with everyone today. Okay, so first off, um, tithes and offerings. Uh, We encourage everyone to keep uh, God at the center of your finances and try to uh, tithe faithfully. If you're here as a visitor, we are so happy to see you and Uh, there's no financial obligations to give but if you would like to make a donation you are um, free to do so with the methods on the screen okay next so we have uh, a lot of different ways to stay connected with god and with each other throughout the week so first one we have bible reading group so um, every day you guys can find a verse through um, instagram 180brg to read a verse um, and stay connected with God spiritually okay next we also have um, many different platforms where you can um, stay connected with each other as well as with the community through Facebook um, Dr. Sem's Twitter Instagram and also um, YouTube where some of you guys are watching this right now and speaking of YouTube and um, being online So in June, there will be two weeks, so June 11th and 18th, where we will have our services online. So please don't come to the theater um, and you can join the service uh, as always, but um, from home or wherever you guys choose to be at that time. Um, So other than the Instagrams and all the different platforms online, we also have small groups where we can meet during the week to discuss the messages and pray for each other and stay connected. If you're interested, uh, just talk to one of the greeters and they'll be able to give you more information about small groups. So today, I don't know if you guys know, but it's International Tea Day. Um, and it would be wonderful to grab some tea or coffee and optional read these books that are uh, available at the cafe outside including the book published by or or authored by uh, our very dr sammy um a holy haunting Um, and in addition to these books we actually have two more books that are going to be available at the cafe or might already be available Um, so uh, these two on the screen are the ones so if you guys are interested um You can go to the cafe and ask the um, people at the cafe for the books. Um, We also have. 180 merch if you guys are interested at the cafe you guys might see some cool people wearing the 180 (laughs) t-shirts So if you guys want to look as cool as them you can ask for the merch at the cafe and all of the um, Items that I mentioned so far you pay through an honor system So you can get the item you want and pay through the methods mentioned in an earlier slide before Next we have our prayer hotline During the week, if there is anything you want prayer for, or if there's someone you would like to pray for, please reach out by um, sending your request through this email, and there will be a team praying for you, and everything will be confidential. And for those of you who are not readers, you can still grab your tea or coffee and just sit and listen to um, pastor lydia's instrumental that are now available on um, spotify youtube as well as i think itunes Um, so you can listen to the praise songs that are played um, anytime during the day or during the week as you're walking commuting or just journaling or eating okay and another reminder next week we're not gonna be here we're gonna be at the park so um make sure to be at um, central park the great hill by noon because we'll have our first day in the sun of the year and just so that you guys can mark everything on your calendar the next slide has the dates for the rest of the summer so you guys can save that and not come here but come to the park (laughs) on those days okay next so um here are all different kinds of ways you guys can serve. Um, you, get, you can come to the cafe to help serve the coffee, tea, or help um, give out the merch or the books. Um, we always need more teachers and volunteers at the Sunday school to teach the little kids. We're also always looking for um, people who are very tackies, people who are tackies to help us with the online platforms and also greeters who know how to say hello to greet the people (laughs) coming through. I think that's it with our announcements.